Hi, I'm Lewis Daly, and I'm one of the investment proposition managers here at Royal London. And today, we're going to be discussing our sustainable fund range, and we'll be looking more specifically at the launch of the new Global Sustainable Equity Fund. Now, this fund is going to be available to pension customers from the 9th of November, and it will have the same 1% charge as the rest of the sustainable fund range. I'm very pleased to be joined today by George Crowdy, sustainable fund manager, who will be providing a bit more insight into the sustainable fund range and specifically looking under the bonnet of the Global Sustainable Equity Fund. So welcome, George. How are you? Hi, Les. Yeah, doing well, thank you. Um, particularly during these during these strange times. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. thank you for having me on and uh, for arranging the podcast. No problem at all. It's a nice way to put it. Um, and you joined Arlam and so Mike Fox and the sustainable team at the start, as, as you said, what's been a pretty eventful year. So would, would you be able to give a bit of background into to where you worked before joining Royal London? Of course. Um, yeah, so I uh, joined Royal London in at the beginning of February this year, having spent the past 10 years at Janice Henderson, where I was part of the global sustainable equities team there. Um, and, and really, I was, I've been in discussions about the opportunity for, for quite a long time with Mike. Um, and it was I was really brought in to help sort of globalize uh, the sustainable offering um, and co-manage this new global sustainable equity fund with Mike. Um, so obviously, as, as, as you can imagine, joining uh, uh, this year has been particularly interesting, um, both in terms of our, our roles as fund manager, but also just starting uh, a new role as a new company. But um, it's all gone really smoothly, and I'm really happy to be a part of RLAM and uh, really enjoying working with the rest of the team. Perfect. Well, it's a very good time for you to join. Um, and you, you, you mentioned your experience um, in global sustainable uh, investing. But before we kind of go into our sustainable fund and the sustainable fund range, for those of, that maybe aren't familiar with the phrase, would you be able to just give a quick summary of what actually is sustainable investing? Sure. Um, I mean, I always think it's helpful to just take a step back and I guess define what sustainable development is. And we think that one of the best definitions that we've come across is um, was actually from the United Nations back in the late 80s. And they defined sustainable development as development which meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And that's really what we're trying to do with sustainable investing. It's about finding those companies which have environmental and social considerations right at the heart of their economic model. We're looking to invest in those companies which are supporting the transition to a cleaner, healthier, safer, and more inclusive society. And we look at companies through both their products and services, so what they do, and their operations, how they go about doing it. And unlike ethical investing, which you can think of as being based on negative exclusions, sustainable investing is very much about positive inclusion. Um, And we think it's an investment approach which is really driven by making positive choices and we think can be hugely additive to investment performance. Um, And we really do think that those companies which are providing solutions to and are on the right side of these environmental and social trends will, will just be much more interesting and much less risky places to invest. That, that makes sense. <laughs> and it's it's, a, it's an extremely important point as well. It's something that's been spoken about in the wider market at the moment in a lot more detail. And, and if we look kind of just at Royal London's sustainable fund range, you know, for pension customers, we have five funds available, soon to be six. And 
is there anything that you would say that sets out sets apart our sustainable investment strategy from the rest? Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that there's, there's been a lot of new sustainable funds being launched in the market, and I think every time I, I sort of look at some various trade press, it, it seems like there's almost one every single week. Um, but there are a few things that I think that set our range of sustainable funds um, apart from the competition. I mean, firstly, I think the fact that we at RLAM have been managing sustainable funds since 2003, um, and that was when Mike first started this sustainable investment approach. And I think that's really important um, because we, we do have a track record that spans a long time period over different economic, social and politically driven market environments. And we think that this long term track record does evidence that our sustainable investment approach does add value and can deliver attractive risk adjusted returns. And then secondly, and I, I think it's important to realize that asset management really is a people business and it's the people behind the process that I, I think also differentiates us. So I think we're, we're pretty unique in having a very flat team structure. And by that, I mean, every single person on the team has an equal say as to whether a company should be included within our sustainable investment universe. So an equal vote as to whether that company does have, have a net benefit to society. And we've, we've built up a diverse team, which is made of a variety of different people with different views and perspectives. And we absolutely encourage difference in opinion. And that combined with the flat structure and, and very open culture, we think does lead us to, as fund managers, make better investment decisions on which companies to invest in. And then thirdly, as, as you alluded to at the beginning, uh, we are somewhat unique in offering a complete range of funds, um, a range that goes from 100% fixed income to 100% equity, right across the risk spectrum. Um, and I think if, if we can get you on board with our philosophy and process, then chances are that there is a fund that, that would work for you. And I think that's that's really key points as well when we look at the benefits of Royal London sustainable fundraising. There is a there is a lot that goes into the team and the process. But taking taking a step back from our solution as such, in a in a very brief overview for those that are that are just getting into actually exploring sustainable strategies, is there anything that you would say is a non-negotiable or a must-have when it comes to a a successful active sustainable approach? I mean, that, that's, that's a really good question. And I do think just being active is key. I mean, we, are, we have very, very much have a, do have a high bar for inclusion within these funds. And particularly with the Global Sustainable Fund, where we think that there's around 3,000 companies that we can get reliable information on globally, we're only looking to invest in between 30 to 50 of those. So the bar to be included within this portfolio is, is extremely high. And it's really that that high bar combined with the, the team's resource that, that goes into that, that um, we think hopefully will steer us towards making the best investment decisions. Um, but in terms of non-negotiables, so it's, I guess it's that just being very consistent with that high bar for what we're looking for in terms of companies that we might consider for investment here. That's a very good point. And now we're actually moving on to the Global Sustainable Equity Fund, the fund you manage. Am I right in saying that this is is following the same, a very similar process to, to the others that we already have on the range? Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's exactly the same philosophy and process. The only difference really is that we're looking at a, a broader opportunity set being global. Um, 
And, and the other difference is, is that this is uh, another 100% equity fund, um, so the same structure as sustainable leaders. And for the benefit of those that maybe aren't familiar with our sustainable fund range process, in, in an overview, could you just roughly give a bit of detail in terms of what is that process? How did the sustainable team at Royal London identify the companies um, and which company to invest in? Sure. Um, so there's, there's really four things that we're looking for and which you can kind of think of as the core principles which are behind our analysis and the way that we look at companies. And there's two sustainable and two financial. So on the sustainable side, we're looking for those companies which are contributing to a cleaner, healthier, healthier and more inclusive society. And we're looking at that through the products and services of that company and its operations, where we're looking for evidence that all stakeholders are being taken into account. And by that, we mean the, the environment, society, the company's employees, its customers, and the community in which it operates. And then on the financial side, we're looking to invest in those companies which uh, do create value. So, And by that, we mean companies which um, deliver returns above their cost of capital and uh, ideally high returns above their cost of capital and, and consistently high returns. And, and really, by that, we're looking for evidence of a sustainable competitive advantage within that company and an attractive industry structure. And then the fourth part is valuation, where we're um, looking to pay a fair price for what we're investing in. And uh, it's really an assessment of what we think the, the future growth and return assumptions that that share price today is implying. Um, so that, that's really what we're looking for. And, and, and those four key principles form the basis of our consistent scorecard approach, which we apply to every single company which we look at, regardless of where it has, happens to be listed around the world. And, that, and that's a really um, important process as well that can be applied across the range. So for those that are looking at one sustainable fund, it is relatively consistent across the board. So now we're actually looking at the range itself, which goes from fixed income all the way up to equity. As, as you've said, we're now going to be having two equity funds in sustainable leaders and global sustainable. So for those that might be looking to combine these two equity funds within a portfolio, is, is there much duplication in the stocks held here? Um, and how often are these actual positions reviewed um, from an oversight perspective? Sure. I mean, the reality is they are, whilst they are both 100% equity funds, they are both quite different funds. So our Sustainable Leaders Fund um, has a minimum of 80% invested in the UK with the remainder invested overseas. And there's currently around 40 holdings in our Sustainable Leaders Fund. And of those 40, we're invested in 11 of those within our Global Sustainable Equity Fund. So a pretty low overlap. And, and really the key difference is that Sustainable Leaders is uh, a primarily UK equity fund, um, whereas the Global Sustainable Fund is, is a true global fund. And, and speaking about the true global point of it, the, the one point that I find extremely interesting, and it's probably worth noting, it is the benchmark that Global Sustainable Equity uses. So it, it uses the MSCI All Country World, World Index as opposed to just the MSCI World Benchmark. So would you be able to just give a bit of detail as to why that's the benchmark? Of course, yeah. Um, so it's really wanting that, that sort of go anywhere approach to global investing. And 
on that basis, the ACWI benchmark makes a lot of sense as it comprises both developed and emerging markets. And we felt that that would give us the biggest global opportunity set and the opportunity to find the best sustainable ideas, regardless of where they happen to be listed. And what, what we've been noticing over time is just actually the lines between emerging and developed markets are continuing to blur. And and that's really as, as, as economies develop and as governance and disclosures improve. Um, I mean, I guess you, you're sort of seeing in the with the pandemic today how actually a lot of what we would consider to be emerging markets are actually dealing with it much better than a lot of developed markets. Um, so I think the sort of the way that we would previously categorize countries and regions um, is perhaps becoming a bit a bit different. And then also we 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 what we see is that the world's most significant environmental and social challenges are also increasingly global in their nature. I mean, you can think of things there such as trying to limit global temperature increases, the global war on plastics, and clearly the global pandemic. I think that it all just highlights the importance of global collaboration and global companies being really well positioned, well, well positioned to uh, help address these issues. And, and, and we think that having a, a truly global fund um, is, is, the, is the best way to get exposure to these types of companies. And that global lens that you refer to there with the Global Sustainable Fund, when we look at this and translating it into investment opportunities and potential watchouts, for you as a sustainable investor, could you kind of pull out some of those key key opportunities and watchouts when you actually apply sustainable investing on a global scale? Sure. So whilst the sort of disclosures and ESG data quality does continue to improve. When you start going global, you do come across areas of the world where it is less good. And, and that's why we always start with corporate governance as the first thing that we look, look at when we start our company analysis. So we're looking at things such as how the company's board is composed, the experience and independence of that board, how the management team are remunerated and whether that's aligned with our interests as shareholders, and we think that investing in companies with good governance is, is particularly important when investing globally and, and, and really see that as a key way to minimize the risks. And once we're comfortable with that, it's, it's really, really where we move on to that consistent scorecard approach, which we apply to every company that we analyze, regardless of where it happens to be listed in the world. And it's that equal weighting to both sustainable and financial factors that leads us to invest in those companies, which really are there to provide solutions to the world's environmental and social issues and are managed in a very responsible way. Um, and then on the financial side, those, those companies which do create value, um, have sustainable competitive advantages and attractive valuations. So it's, it's very much the same things that we're looking for when we're looking for opportunities globally as it is in the UK. But I, I would say that uh, it's just that corporate governance part that is particularly important as the, as the first hurdle that companies got to overcome when we're investing globally. Oh, and you mentioned the UK f the fund there and one of the one of the areas um, that the sustainable fund range has done extremely well is just in performance. The fund range has performed extremely well um, since launch and whilst I know the fund was launched just in February this year um, and it's, it's not necessarily the most straightforward uh, few months for markets to say the least but aware that the fund's looking to invest in companies over a longer term longer time horizon than just a couple of months but 
would would you be able to just give an overview on how the strategy has performed and, and maybe just pull out one or two key highlights on how the fund's actually positioned go- going forward? Of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were certainly times where it felt like launching a fund in February uh, of 2020 would be the worst possible time to, to launch a new fund. But actually, thankfully, that, that really hasn't been the case. And we've been um, really pleased with how the fund has performed uh, since then. Um, and, and really, that it's a function of both what we've been invested in, but also what we haven't been invested in. Um, so in terms of sectors which we've been overweight and continue to like, it's, it's really both technology and healthcare which have been at the heart of this fund. And uh, many of the companies within these sectors proved to be not only more resilient in the market downturn, but have also outperformed as the markets have re-recovered. Um, and the difference with this crisis versus others is that typically in a crisis, you see the things that have been hit the hardest rebound the most. But it's actually quite interesting that that, that hasn't been the case this year. And actually, many of our holdings are now at all-time share price highs. So within healthcare, we've been invested in... Um, a few pharmaceutical companies which have been right at the forefront of developing the COVID-19 vaccines. So companies like such as AstraZeneca with their partnership with Oxford University and also diagnostics companies um, such as Thermo Fisher in the US and Roche in Switzerland, which have been providing tests for the virus. And they've all seen strong demand this year. And then on the technology side, um, we're just seeing such a huge acceleration of digitalization across every single industry. And um, our exposure to, to themes such as software have, have particularly benefited as, as, as the world's pivoted to working from home. Um, we've benefited from the shift to e-commerce, the, the shift to more digital payments, um, just to name a few there. But it, our, our technology exposure is pretty broad based um, and a lot of our companies have seen um, accelerating demand there. But, it, but it's not just our technology and healthcare holdings which have done well this year. It's, it's really our preference for those well-managed companies with strong balance sheets and more predictable growth, which is, has really helped. Um, but I do think at a time in crisis, our philosophy of wanting to invest in those companies, which really are um, providing solutions to the world's challenges, has, has really helped our portfolios do well versus both peers and the market. But then also, as I said, um, it's also what we haven't owned, which has helped um, particularly our relative performance. And, and generally having no exposure to some of the weakest parts of the market, so things like energy, travel, and leisure, um, which just don't fit our sustainable process, has, has also helped performance on a relative basis. And then in terms of um, how the funds are continue to be positioned, well, we haven't really made too many major changes. I mean, we still have two key themes that we're particularly focused on, and that is really um, companies which are facilitating and enabling the digitalization of the economy, and then those companies which are directly providing solutions to the, the global healthcare crisis and really supporting the, the need for more resilient healthcare systems. And you mentioned that there uh, in terms of one of the themes you're focusing on. And I, I feel like it, sustainable and technology, it's, it's, the, the, those two kind of go hand in hand, uh, particularly it, it, in the media. And technology is a sector, as you said, that's contributed significantly to the growth um, of the sustainable funds. Um, but what would you say to someone that, that believes technology is overvalued and it's actually reached its, its high watermark? I mean, I think it's certainly possible to find some areas of technology 
which you could argue are now pricing in unrealistic expectations. And I, and I think that's particularly the case with some of the recent technology IPOs, which we've seen. Um, but actually, when I look at the, the broader technology se sector, I, I really do think that the valuations of many companies do remain very compelling. Um, there's just so much innovation occurring. And the COVID crisis of this year has just so materially accelerated technology adoption in, in virtually every single part of the economy. It was just uh, just last night when Microsoft reported their earnings, their, their CEO, Satya Nadella, was saying that he thinks that technology spend as a percentage of global GDP today is about 5%, and he sees that doubling over the next decade. So actually, and, and, and that kind of makes sense. I mean, when we look at all these different companies and industries, it's almost impossible to find an area which isn't going to be spending more on technology and doesn't have to think more about their digital strategy. I think pre-COVID, pre companies having a, a digital strategy was, was almost a nice to have. And, and what we've seen now is, is it's an absolute need to have and, and really the only way these companies can uh, keep operating and, and remain competitive. Um, and, and when we think about the types of technology businesses that we want exposure to, I mean, we, we do have a preference for those more established business models and those companies which um, can show that they, they do create value, so returns above their cost of capital and, and are able to generate consistent free cash flow. Um, we do tend to avoid those more unproven business models, such as some of those more recent IPOs, as, as we just consider those types of companies as a bit too risky for us. Um, but, but as I would say with investing in any sector, I, I really think active management um, does make most sense. And, and, and we think that we're still able to invest in technology companies, where, which we, we think are very attractively valued, particularly over the longer term. I think that's a, a really good point there. And the, the benefits of being able to actually actively analyze and scrutinize the company, not just blindly buying uh, the sector. So th thanks very much for that, George. And now to, to wrap up, uh, we've had an extremely turbulent year um, and we've still got lots to lots on the horizon with US election and Brexit uh, coming in the, in the coming months. But to try and finish on a bit of a positive note, what would you say is the most exciting area that you're exploring as part of the global sustainable equity strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is actually that so many of the, the trends that our sustainable funds are exposed to are really just so much more powerful than any sort of political noise, and I, I would include the US elections and Brexit there, we really are looking at sort of decade and in some case generational trends. And really, there's there's just so much to be excited about as a sustainable investor today. The, the amount of innovation that's happening in the companies that we're invested in is just so ginormous. And, and that makes us hugely excited. We, we really do think that over the de next decade, we'll see huge breakthroughs in the way that the world is able to decarbonize and that's going to be supported by um, just the continued declines in the, in the cost of renewable energy and the things such as the electrification of transport. Um, we expect the continued breakthroughs in healthcare and uh, a real move to, to more connected and virtual healthcare. We expect to see that widely adopted over the, over the next decade. And also huge breakthroughs in the way that diseases such as cancer are treated as well. But it's also, I think there's a, there's a real keenness for governments to use this crisis to build back better. Um, and we think that many of the, the companies that we're invested in are, are really well placed to benefit from that. So when we look around us, I mean, yes, we fully acknowledge that we expect markets to remain volatile in the near term. But over the long term, we, we do remain very, very confident about um, the tailwinds 
uh, to the companies that we're invested in. And I think that build back better phrase is a, is a very good way to, to wrap this up. And, and thanks, George. I really appreciate your time um, today. And we do have a suite of material available, which goes into more detail in our sustainable fund range, and we'll be constantly adding to this. So should you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with your Royal London Business Development Manager. And, and that's all from me. So thanks very much. Thanks, George. Thanks, Liz. And, and thanks, everyone, for listening. So stay safe. And thanks very much.